Welcome to Yoga Chit Chat. I'm Phoebe Schiff, yoga teacher, chocolate lover, and somewhat neglectful plant mom. And I'm Tarek Morinaga, yoga teacher, fourth generation Japanese American, and Southern California native. Every week, we meet virtually for an informal discussion on a common yoga philosophy, principle, or theme. Today's topic is Pratyahara which translates into withdrawal of the senses. We knew that this topic was coming up because we've been going through the eight limbs of yoga from Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. When we first decided to do this topic, I thought that this was going to be a really tough podcast to do because in my mind, I don't teach Pratyahara. I teach yoga, I teach asana, sometimes I teach some pranayama and a little meditation, but I thought to myself, I don't teach people to withdraw their senses. I thought this was going to be a tough podcast. But as I thought about it more and more, we do teach pratyahara. We teach people to turn inside, to pull their senses in, and move into a more inner space and withdraw from the outside world. So I thought that one of the things would be easiest to do is simply to read from the Yoga Sutras. It's book two, Sutra 54. The translation that both Vivi and I have been using is from Sri Swami Satchidananda. It's his translation and commentary of the Yoga Sutras. This is the translation. When the senses withdraw themselves from the objects and imitate, as it were, the nature of the mind stuff, this is Pratyahara. When the senses withdraw themselves from the objects and imitate, as it were, the nature of the mind, this is Pratyahara. So that's our working definition. The way that I interpret this is that in general, our five senses, see, hear, touch, taste, smell, are geared towards taking the outside world in. And then what happens is our minds follow the senses. They get pulled in different directions by the senses. We see something uh, bright and pretty, and we look that way, and we get drawn towards it. We hear something interesting, and we reorient ourselves towards that sound. The outside world is constantly competing for our attention, and the mind is pulled in those different directions. Then we get to yoga, we come to the mat, and we choose to instead shift into a state where the mind becomes the driver and the senses follow the mind. And this is really what this sutra is, is talking about. So this idea of the senses following the mind instead of the mind following the senses, there's a lot here. I want to unpack this a little bit because if you understand it, it's, it's really helpful from my perspective. We want the senses to follow the mind because we want to have the control over the mind to decide how the senses bring information to us. 
versus the senses telling the mind how to receive the information. An example would be, let's just take the smell of a cake baking, for example, chocolate cake while we're at it. We want the senses to follow the mind because if our mind is controlled and we can think, oh, that's the smell of chocolate cake, and then go back to what we're doing, then it doesn't become a distraction. It doesn't take away from what from our experience of ourselves. But if the mind is following the senses, then the senses are going to be like, oh my God, chocolate cake, chocolate cake, chocolate cake, and completely take our awareness away from ourself and we may not be able to focus back inward until we've seen and tasted and experienced the chocolate cake. Does that make sense? Yes. The example that I really like, and I have to work this into the podcast is in star Wars, the Jedi, when they're about to use the force, which is the, energy of the universe that they harness and wield as a superpower, the Jedi often will close their eyes and turn inwards before they even focus and reach out with this power. In The Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker, the protagonist, is trapped in an ice cave And his weapon is just out of reach. His lightsaber is just out of reach. And he hears the ice monster coming towards him. And he has to free himself by getting his lightsaber. And so he he tries to focus and reach out and grab the lightsaber. But he's unable to because he's worried about the ice monster coming. He can hear it and he can feel the cold and he's trapped. He's actually upside down. He's trapped upside down. And so what he does is he takes a moment and he closes his eyes and turns inward. He withdraws his senses so that he's not worried about the ice monster coming. He's not worried about the cold or the fact that he's upside down or how far the weapon is from him. He turns in, focuses his mind, then he can reach out with his mind and he opens his eyes. He pulls the lightsaber towards him, grabs the lightsaber and frees himself. This is similar to your cake example. If the mind follows the senses, then you start thinking about the cake and how hungry you are and your body starts to react to the cake, to the senses. Your mind starts to react to the cake, to the senses. When we withdraw, when we turn in, then the mind has the opportunity to be in the driver's seat to dictate what's going to happen, how we react to the cake becomes conscious. It becomes purposeful. Our ability to reach out and grab the weapon and free ourselves from the senses. So when Luke Skywalker grabs that lightsaber, he's, he's freeing himself from his senses. He's uh, using the power of his mind by withdrawing his senses, and there's a freedom in that. 
a literal freedom for Luke Skywalker, freedom from cake for us. <laughs> yes. Another way of thinking of this is through the Bhagavad Gita, which is another text that we read and reference quite a bit. There is a part where Arjuna, who is the protagonist of the, ba of the Bhagavad Gita, who is a warrior, when he, he has a chariot with five white horses, and the five white horses are symbolic of the five senses. And when he offers the horses to God, or you can think of it as just something bigger than himself, then they are controlled and he is able to be steady and calm as they carry him. But if he doesn't offer them to God or something bigger, then he will be dragged by them. And so it's this really cool way of thinking of the senses as something that we can either, wow, this is just coming to me now. We can either harness them to take us to our highest good, or we can be dragged by them. Yes, that's a beautiful analogy. In the Bhagavad Gita, it's Krishna who's the charioteer. He's actually the one holding the reins. And then Krishna represents God or something bigger. Or we could even think of Krishna as just simply representing consciousness. So it's a conscious steering of the chariot when we allow Krishna, God, consciousness, take over the reins. Otherwise, if we don't let him take over the reins, Krishna, consciousness, take over the reins, then you're right, we get dragged wherever the horses happen to go. And sometimes that's in the wrong place. Let's go back to the cake example. If we just let the horses run, those senses run, then we might eat the entire cake because we went with the senses rather than just eating one piece because we, we went with the charioteer. We went with a more conscious choice to just eat one piece of cake. So the Bhagavad Gita basically takes the battle of the senses and then compares it to the world, which is a, a sort of external manifestation of this battle. So everything that we perceive through the senses is, is kind of the battlefield. And so you can almost think of anything, anyone in your experience as a it's, it's a way of engaging in the battle of the senses so that you can practice pratyahara and continue to turn inward, no matter how stimulating the cake or person or experience is. So all of our waking experience is kind of a battlefield to learn pratyahara. We get to practice Pratyahara, particularly when we come to the yoga mat. One of the first things that we do in most yoga classes is we sit and we close our eyes. Why do we do that? We do that because it, it gives us a chance to turn off the sense of sight 
during most of the day, we're taking in billions of bits of information constantly through our eyes. We close our eyes at the beginning of a yoga class and things get dark and quiet and we turn in. Usually at the beginning of a yoga class, the class is quieter. We turn down the music or maybe we even turn off the music. We start to turn in and draw the senses inwards. And then in a yoga class, we'll take those senses and we'll turn them all inside so we can feel our bodies in space and movements through space. The term is proprioception. We can feel our muscles contract and stretch. We take that sense of touch and instead of touching the outside world or something in the outside world, we'll feel things that are happening inside of us. Our sense of listening, hearing, we can also take inside. We can listen to our thoughts. It has nothing to do with our ears or what we're hearing physically, but we can hear our thoughts. We can hear our minds. And we even can practice seeing inside. We can close our eyes and shut off the outside world and then take our sense of quote-unquote sight internally. And we can visualize um, colors and lights and chakras and things like that inside of us. I couldn't think of any examples of where we turn the sense of taste or smell inside. I don't know how to smell or taste the inside of ourselves, but we can certainly sort of hear, see, and feel a more internal experience. You know, as we were prepping for this episode and I was reading about Pratyahara, I was thinking, like, why? Why would I want to practice Pradyahara? Why would I want to withdraw the senses? The senses bring me all of this interesting information and all of this experience. And then I realized that the resistance I had initially was because I was sort of under the illusion that the universe outside of me or the universe within me is somehow less vast and less interesting than the universe outside of me. And as a human, I am a microcosm of the macrocosm, a mini version of the universe, no lesser in quality, as we always say, just a slightly more condensed version of it. So the reason why withdrawing the senses sounded to me like not that fun was because I forgot that I am just as vast and have just as many interesting layers and aspects as the universe outside of me. I think maybe some other people may share that perspective. And we kind of have to remember that we have just as much going on inside as we do outside of ourselves. And I think that's a big offering of yoga, a big teaching of yoga, that we have this vast inner experience that is interesting and amazing and just as, if not more spectacular than the things in the outside world that capture our interest. Today, we have many types of yoga that 
attempt to flood one of the senses. And it's possibly with the intention of withdrawing the other, say, four. So let's say your sense of hearing is flooded with music, then maybe that allows your other senses to tone down while you just focus on the music. But it's not quite the same thing as turning inside. Some of the other types of yoga that we see today are everything from chroma yoga, which is a yoga where they change the color of the room to match the mood of the practice or the class. There are classes where the music is of utmost importance in the class. So hip-hop yoga or uh, yoga with different types of music, and the music is so loud that you can almost not hear each other. There's hot yoga, which really, to me, is this overwhelming sensory experience, just the heat. And we have other types of yoga today, like goat yoga and puppy yoga, where you have this sensory experience with animals. And there's even things like beer yoga and wine tasting and yoga, where the sense of taste is important. There are classes where aromatherapy is included in the class and they use essential oils to stimulate the sense of smell. And all those things are great and they're fun ways to interact with the world. And from a tantric perspective, that's amazing because in Tantra, we celebrate the world, we celebrate our bodies, we celebrate our senses and our ability to interact with the world. So in, in many ways, all of those new and fun types of yoga are very tantric in nature. And may we also remind our students that there's this vast inner world in our minds, in ourselves, our higher selves, our consciousness is just as amazing, if not more amazing, as you stated earlier. My hope is that we're able to not only explore the outside world, but then take it very deep inside and explore this, for some of us, this new frontier, this vast inner space. And may we use what we see and experience in the outside world as a reminder to turn inward. This is such a, a groundbreaking revelation to have if you experience patterns in your life and you're noticing that things keep manifesting in a particular way, it likely is because of something coming from within you. And so we can actually use our, our relationships, our environments, our experiences as a, as a study of what is going on in our inner universe, of our inner uh, makeup. And by practicing Pratyahara, we give ourselves that opportunity to really see and know and use that information to, to improve our lives and to ultimately connect more deeply with ourselves, which is what this practice is about. As a culture today, we often get pulled into our computers and our phones and other devices 
they grab our attention and often don't let go. When we're very externally oriented, using our senses, focusing on our social media and other content, we get pulled away from ourselves. We get pulled away from our own consciousness and pulled into that digital world. I think we all understand that it's probably good to put the phone down once in a while to close our laptops and turn off our computers. And a big part of that reason is that we, we shut down that outside stimuli so that we can turn back in. That's a big part of the yoga practice, turning back in and, and remembering who we truly are inside. It's not only the outside world, but also this internal experience. And I do want to point out that we're not saying that yoga is about only withdrawing the senses. We're not saying that the outside world is bad. We're not saying that using our senses is bad. We, we need our senses. We need to take in information from the world. I just think that the practice of pratyahara and yoga in general just gives us an opportunity to take a break, to take a break from all of the stimuli, be it our phones or, or our friends or food or movies or whatever it is that stimulates us. May we have the conscious awareness to pull things in once in a while and remember who we are, to remember that beautiful amazing universe inside. Right. Going back to the teaching from the Bhagavad Gita, may we use the senses as an offering to something bigger so that they can carry us to our highest experience versus letting them drag us down into the dirt, which if we don't control them, our senses really can drag us down. If we don't have control over what we're eating or the things that, we, that we're seeing and hearing, then we can feel very victim. And, and so this is a practice of really taking ownership of our experience and offering up the control to, to something bigger. I haven't done this yet, but I, I know that you have. Will you talk about your experience a little bit with the sensory deprivation tank and maybe compare that a little bit to Pratyahara? Yes. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yeah, we were chatting a little bit and I was saying, you know, I don't know how much I'm experiencing Pratyahara. And then I realized that I did this float tank experience probably a couple years ago. And being in the float tank, which is also called a sensory deprivation tank, is this very interesting experience of, of being nothing. Like you're in total darkness, you're floating, and you kind of like can't feel your body. And so all you're left with is your awareness. And without any other stimuli, all you're left with is the observation of you observing the observation. It's really different because so much of our experience is about 
what we're seeing and hearing and smelling around us. It's a really interesting practice of Pratyahara. It, yeah, I encourage everyone to go out and try it for themselves and to, and to see what you think of it. It's like a forced Pratyahara. Yeah. Instead of withdrawing the senses, it's almost like the senses are cut off. Right. And then when we cut ourselves off from the senses, from experiencing our physical bodies, then we sort of get cut off from all of the samskaras or all of the habits and patterns that come along with the physical body. And then all you're left with is consciousness, your awareness. I guess we can look at yoga as different levels of that experience. I've never done the deprivation tank, so I'm, I am very curious to experience that. I'll have to do that at some point. I can only imagine. It, it must be like yoga times 100 as far yeah. as drawing the senses. Looking back, I remember feeling kind of bored, and I'm realizing that I just forgot that I'm a universe. and. I probably didn't have as much awareness or self-inquiry as I do now. So I, yeah, I'm going to do it again and see what, what the experience is like, especially now that we've kind of gone through this practice of Pratyahara. And I know that there's, there's a lot more there. I think on a more practical level as, as yoga students, we already practice Pratyahara in so many ways. And we talked about many of them. Just simply closing our eyes is a way of withdrawing the sense of sight. We can move into a quiet room and sit and meditate and tone down what we're able to hear. We can remove ourselves from a space where there are smells of chocolate cake and things like that. We do this all the time on different levels with different levels of success and with different results. May we continue to be aware of our senses and may we continue to pull them in from time to time so that we remember that universe inside. Also, this is a challenging practice. I'm realizing one way I can think of it is, uh, I mentioned to you I recently gave up caffeine as I've been smelling coffee I have noticed that I've probably been off of caffeine for like a couple months now. And initially I would smell like really amazing coffee being brewed. And I'd be like, I want coffee. Like give me a cup of coffee. And then as I've, you know, spent a couple of months not drinking coffee. Now I can just enjoy the smell of coffee. I'm like, Oh, there's coffee brewing. And then I go back to whatever I'm doing. So it's definitely a practice, but what's cool is that you can practice this with anything on and off the mat. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear about ways that you are practicing Pradyahara or any of the other eight limbs of yoga. Please give us a visit on www.yogachitchat.com. We have weekly blog posts. We also have an Instagram gallery. We'd love for you to follow us, maybe send us a DM about your favorite episode. We're also on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash yogachitchat. And we're always open to receive your support as a patron, which helps us create more content. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, Phoebe. See you next time.